Hey, Matt, you got a minute? You know, we did a money series. It was week one last week, and yeah. man, it just felt like it was tense out there. Well, do you think we should continue the money series, or do you think we should cancel it? Man, I, I don't know. I just pray about it, maybe. Maybe maybe God will give me a sign. That's what I do. I just pray. Okay, let me know. All right, thanks, buddy. Power and the money, money and the power, minute after minute, hour after hour. feel like everywhere I went, there was like a sign. I mean, everywhere I went, I, so I'm, I think we need to just continue it. Let's do it. All right, man. Now you know what our staff does all week, right? You see, we just hang out, make videos. But hey, I appreciate our video team as we're in the middle of this series. We said, man, we got to keep figuring out ways of, of breaking, breaking the tension. And they just kind of did that by making you laugh a little bit. Don't you appreciate our team, what they do, man? Yeah, they do a good job. And because uh, there is tension in the room. But before we go any further, I'd just like to welcome all of our campuses. Come on, everybody, one time. Good to have all of our campuses on board. And of course, those who are who are watching online, and the, and the title of the series is uh, the green, big green elephant in the room. And and the big green elephant is the subject of money because we again we know it's an emotional subject, and people get upset and angry and cynical, and 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 but we know that we got to still speak God's truth because we know it's only through truth that we're set free. And so we're going to continue to do that as we look at this subject. But I, I know even couples, uh, as they walk out of last week's message and kind of having those money talks. Money talks are hard to have, but, you'd have to ha but you have to have them, right? And uh, so we hope you'll continue to have money talks and not money fights, that you come to a place of agreement. That's why we love the FPU class, because it helps bring you together uh, in the same um, mindset, the, the same vision so we really hope that you would, uh, you would do that. But here's, here's what I know, because I've been doing this series for years and years and years. And, uh, and I said this last week, uh, at certain times I get to speak to pastors at conferences, and uh, I always do the one on how do you communicate money to your congregation, because a lot of them were afraid to do it. They're, they're scared, they don't want to be misunderstood, or, and, I, and I get that, but I said, you know, you need to learn, to learn to push through it, and so, but one thing I always say to those who are watching us on all of our campuses, when, when we're on this subject, I, I, I know that you feel like maybe you're going to the dentist. I mean, no one loves, no one gets up in the morning and says, I can't wait to go to the dentist today, right? So you come to church, oh no, it's this it's this talk, and I know the, the feelings we have, but listen, I know that going to the dentist is necessary. And in fact, not only is it necessary, going to the dentist sometimes can be painful, but you know that you have to go when you have a problem. And, and, and money problems are kind of like a toothache. 
You can try to avoid it and think, yeah, it'll get better. The toothache's not going to get better. You got to get in. You got you to take care of it. And sometimes the dentist has to do some things that's going to hurt at the beginning, but in the long run, it's going to make you better. How many understand? That's how it is sometimes, right? And, and so I, I know you don't want to think about a dentist, but that's who I am today. And I'm going to dig in a little bit because I'm going to give you kind of a story, a journey about about my wife and our life and how we kind of journey through this whole money thing. But I'm going to dig in a little bit. And, and the bad news is I don't have any Novocaine. I mean, it's raw nerves. I'm going to hit some raw nerves. I, 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 and, but I do know the good news is this. If you can get past the pain, it's going to be helpful. And a year from now, you're going to be a lot better. You'll be a lot better. I believe that's why we do. Come on. Yeah, you're going to be a lot better. Give me a little encouragement. Yeah. Some of you are like this. Yeah. And, uh, but, that, but really, their good news is you can feel better. In fact, I had a, a, a couple come up to me just last week and said, I want to share our story. And they gave me their, their quick story. And I said, man, would you mind emailing that to me? I, I would like to read it because they wanted to remain anonymous. And uh, listen to this just right, right from last week. My husband and I heard Pastor Craig speak about finances seven years ago. My husband was initially irritated about the money talk and trusting God with our finances. I encouraged him, it takes a good wife sometimes, I encouraged him to attend Financial Peace University and the Legacy Series, and it has changed our lives. We have learned to obey and put God first with our finances and budget, and we are now debt-free, including our mortgage, by the grace of God, and we're not even 40 years old. Okay, that's the only part of it. We had a ton of student loan debt, credit cards, and a mortgage, but by following Dave Ramsey's financial principles of paying things off and not incurring more debt, we paid off over $600,000 of debt in seven years. This is, this, is just, this is a real story. I just got this last week. This isn't some planted story. Real people, real life, real stuff. They go on and say, we want to encourage everyone to put God first in their finances. Don't give up and you will see the debt slowly paid off. As we continue to be faithful, this is the key, in doing what God asked, he miraculously provided more income in our jobs to pay things off even faster. Be faithful in obeying God, and he is indeed faithful in providing for you. Come on, man. Give God. Man, I, I, I tell you, that's, you know, that's, that's powerful. So last week we, we learned how God owns everything, and we need to surrender ownership to him. And we talked about what a struggle that is, because as long as you still own it, you're going to struggle with generosity and money. But we said when you can surrender ownership to God, that's one of the first steps. And, and when, when God owns it, then the second step is asking this question. How does God, the owner, want me to manage what he has given me? And, and that's, the, the, that's the thing. That, what does God want me to do? How does God want me to manage this? And there are so many financial principles in the Bible. I'm only going to cover a few basics with you, things that I've learned over the years. But in Proverbs 3, it says this in your notes. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I love this part. In all your ways, submit to him. So all your ways submit to him. What, what ways? Your parenting ways, your marriage ways, your dating ways. Every way that we live our life, we should submit ourselves 
to the counsel of God's word because God's way is always the best way. And so we can say amen in all our ways we submit to God except this one. We talked about last week, the money one, no, 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 don't touch it, right? You know, like the MC, don't touch this. That's how some of you feel right now. That's an old rap guy. You don't know him. Okay, let's keep going. So trust in the Lord with all, in, in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Man, it would be great to have a straight path. Do, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It means, do not be wise means, in your own eyes means, hey, don't act like you know it all. You don't. God knows everything about everything. God has the best way on how to, how to have a healthy uh, married life, how to have a good uh, parenting counsel. God has the best way for our finances. And, and that's what he's trying to tell us. Proverbs 21.20 says this, and, and, and this verse um, uses the word stupid. And I know that at least in my, 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 my daughter's house, I said stupid one time. The grandkids said, don't, that's a bad word. Well, in the, it's in the Bible. So anyway. Wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. When you really read, it's talking about is we shouldn't spend everything we earn. If you earn $1,000, you shouldn't spend $1,010. See, the key to financial freedom and financial peace in your life, and I'm not going to do it all, but it's creating margin. Financial margin is simply, here's what I make. And I'm going to live off of this much, and I create a gap. And the, long, the bigger that gap, the more peace I have, the more security I have, and the more opportunity I have to do the things God wants me to do. So it's, it's called financial margin, and, and you're going to learn a lot about that if, if you get into that class. But, but it's such an important part because here's what they tell us. Stats tell us 70% of, of American households live paycheck to paycheck. 70%. Seven out of ten people that hear my voice right now, I mean, it's stressed out every week, paycheck to paycheck, hoping nothing else will go wrong. I don't believe that's the way we're supposed to live. I believe that God has a better way. And you know what? It may take a while to get out of it, but you can get out of that stressful, fearful situation. Okay? In fact, I know the reason we live that way is because some of us have not been taught anything but you just use credit cards, right? I mean, in, in early, if you didn't know this, in 1965 was the first credit card, American Express card. And that one had to be paid off every month. So how did people live before 1965? How'd they do it? You, yeah, it was, you, you, you didn't buy it unless you could pay for it. I know it's a strange philosophy. I know it's really weird. In fact, I, I, at Saturday Night Live, Steve Martin does an amazing job uh, speaking about this. But before he says that, let me just say this. The average uh, monthly credit card debt for an American household is $9,300, right around there. If you make minimum payments for six and a half years, it'll take six and a half years to pay it off. That means you've paid $6,600 of interest. That's like buying a $9,000 couch, and in six and a half years, you paid almost $16,000 for it. Doesn't make sense, does it? But that's how we're taught to live our lives. You get things in the mail every week. Congratulations. We've just extended your credit. And you're like, man, I'm a special person, right? And that's the mentality that a lot of people have. But God does have a better way. In fact, watch this Saturday Night Live clip. Ugh, I just can't get these 
numbers to add up. Like we're never gonna get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. <laughs> so get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Come on, man. That's some good advice, right? Steve Martin hadn't quite got it yet. He's, he's working on it. Uh, but, you know, Debbie and I were married, uh, believe it or not, in 1980. So our 40-year anniversary is coming up in June. And I know one of the, yeah, man, clap for her. <laughs> Tell you what, I don't know how she did it. Anyway, um, 40 years ago, we made a decision. We said, you know what, we've heard the truth about what God's word says. And we want to, one of the biggest decisions we knew we wanted to make was we wanted to put God first in our budget, in our finances. We, we said, man, we love what God has changed our lives through this church, and we want to give our tithe to the church. And we said, okay, we're going to, we, that's what we want to do. And so, I mean, like many of you, when you're first married, I mean, there's just not a whole lot there anyway, right? I mean, I was driving a truck for a living. My wife was uh, actually making more money than me. And uh, so, but we looked at a couple verses that, that were our guide. And these are the verses I like to share with you to help us be the anchor uh, of what we were believing for. And, and, and you heard one last week. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Now, notice it says first part because people get really confused. They go, I want to give to God, but I'm going to wait and see. And if at the end of the week everything went well, here you go. And see, we realize that God wanted the first part, not the leftovers. Got hard, didn't it? I mean, we said, God, you're going to get the first part. And when we gave God the first part, it forced us to say, we're going to live on the rest. We're going to, here's yours, God, and our lifestyle will be below, be below that. And that's what Debbie and I decided to do. In fact, another verse that really gave us encouragement is in Matthew 6, uh, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. First his kingdom. And all these things, can everyone say things? There's nothing wrong with stuff. 
We all need stuff to live. But God says, all these things will be given to you as well. Now, anytime you see the word but in the Bible, you want to look at the preceding verses. It's going to tell you something. And in the preceding verses, Jesus says something very interesting that we all need to hear. And maybe you need to hear it today and tomorrow. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus, do not worry about your life. It's hard to do, isn't it? Don't worry about what you're going to eat or your drink or your body, what you're going to wear. It's not life more than food. He goes through this whole story that the birds of the air, they don't worry, and I take care of them. And he shifts from this idea that God wants to provide for us, and he tells us why. Because look down, if you'll look at it, you'll see he talks about faith here in a moment. Then he says in verse 32, for the pagans, people who do not believe in the heavenly Father and God, they run after these things. They try to hold on to these things, and they, they're working for these things. And he says, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father, here it is, knows that you need them. God knows what we need. And Debbie and I said, okay, God, if you know what we need, then we believe you're going to meet our needs because you promise, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, my needs, they're going to be given to us as well. And we said, God, we're going to hold you to your word. We're going to go ahead, God, we're going to put you first, seek you first, but the things that we need, not the things that we want, there's a difference. How many know there's a difference between needs and wants? The things that we need, you're going you're gonna to meet those needs in our lives. And I remember Debbie and I started living our life that way, but to be honest with you, that decision required a lot of dedication and a lot of di discipline, and also we dealt with a lot of disappointment and discouragement. I'm just telling you, it wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme. But we said, we're going to do it your way, God. And then Debbie and I got married. We had two old cars. So we, we can only find one picture. We had, Debbie had an old VW Beetle. Go ahead and put the picture. You can barely see that Beetle. That's okay. Yes, I, I did have enough money for a shirt. Go ahead and take that off. But, but that old VW Beetle, that mustache, the Magnum P.I., you see that? No, anyway, that old Beetle, the floorboard was eaten up. It had holes all in it. And when Debbie would drive down the road, that was her car, she'd hit a mud puddle, the mud would come up through the floorboard. And, and you're like, what kind of husband are you? What kind of provider are you? It bothered both of us. But we knew this. We could have got another car. We could have went and financed one and got a monthly payment. But we knew if we did that, it would take away the first 10% we were given to God in our church. And we said, we're just not going to do that. We're going to drive the two old cars, and wait and believe and trust God. And you know what's amazing? God comes through every time. I don't have time to tell you all the stories about that, but God was faithful even during those times uh, with the two old cars. And again, because we didn't want to go into credit card debt, our first apartment, we were married, we had a little 800-square-foot apartment, and my mom had a dining room table, an uh, old one that she gave us, and we had a few little coffee tables. We went to a garage sale, and we found some things that we could buy uh, cash and uh, we were kind of like, that was about it. And we said, we, we need something to sit on. We didn't have a, a couch. And my grandmother, bless her heart, I have a couch for you. I should have asked what it looked like, but I didn't. I said, Grandma, thank you. And I, we went and picked up the couch. I could tell by my wife's face, it was like, you know, she was trying to be happy, but it was telling on it. Because it was a big floral, yellow, flowered print thing. And I guess I had been out for 20 years. And uh, so here, this is our first couch. And, but you know what? It met a need, right? See, some of you can't you go, what? Yeah, because we knew we could have gone out and put it on a credit card, but then again, it would have taken away what belonged to God. We said, we're not going to touch what belongs to God. And you know what? We survived. I mean, we had a, I mean my wife, she, we, we had that little apartment, and, and we loved it. And then kids came along, 
I mean, you know, that can be a problem. Right? I mean, they are. I think Dara was born in 84 and Brent in 86. They were 19 months apart. And how many knows kids cost money, right? And so that was a whole other challenge. God had still been faithful. He had been meeting our needs. But then you got kids. And I'm going to say this, and some of you can really get angry. But kids create a lot of pressure to spend more than we should. And it's amazing how we allow kids to even, we put them above even a relationship with our spouse or even our relationship with God. Because we so want to please our kids and we become so child-centered. And, and listen, I believe in, in blessing children and, and blessing the needs of my kids. But I realized early on they were not going to get everything they wanted. And it didn't make me a bad dad or mom. Debbie and I had to make a decision early on. Listen, we don't need to compete with the neighbors about what our kids should get and what they shouldn't. Because we're going to honor God and keep God first. And we're going to meet every one of their needs. But they may not get all of their wants. And how many know that's hard to do? Listen, man, I, I'm telling you, I got a granddaughter, Sienna. I love her. And I bless my grandkids. I spoil them. That's a different story. We're not going to talk about that today. But I can go to the mall and say, I'm not going to spend any money on it. But somehow I walk out buying her something. But, man, when I was in that place with my kids in a different financial place, I said, nope, they're, they're not going to do that to us. And I remember when we did go out for a, a meal, we ate most of our meals at home. Uh, I know it's a different world. But we'd go to, let's say it was McDonald's. And back then they had a great marketing thing called Happy Meals. And the only thing that was good about that meal was they give you all this extra stuff, they charge you more. So we go and sit down and Brent and Dara and they go, we want a Happy Meal. I said, why? Well, Johnny's parents, they give him a Happy Meal. I said, well, you're already happy. You don't need a Happy Meal. <laughs> and and this is how we had to, that's how we had to draw the line. It's just things that we had to do if we wanted to honor God. You know what? Even my mom, God bless her, she was a garage sale queen. And when kids were three, four, five, six, seven, I mean, they're going through clothes like they're growing so fast. My mom would find brand new used clothes. Our kids didn't know the difference. And they'd wear, and you know, they're not in any kind of therapy. None of my kids are going, I had a terrible childhood. I, I wore used clothes and I never got a happy meal. Never had any of those issues with my kids. Because you know what? Every one of their needs was met. Maybe not their wants, but their needs were all met. And you know what? And as God continued to bless our lives, we were able to do more and more for our children. But there was always a limit. And the limit was we're not going to touch what belongs to God. And that's how Debbie and I live. And I remember another, I don't know, tell the story, but, you know, like we wanted to video our kids. Back in the 80s, video cameras were very expensive. They were brand new back then. And uh, so we didn't have one because we couldn't pay for one with cash. And so we had a friend who said, you can use ours once a month. So once a month, we'd use their video camera. That's how we did it. But then about three years later, as technology got better, all the big ones, you know, the big ones they started out with, you know, they're like on your shoulder. They got smaller and smaller technology. And so the big ones were really cheap. And so we'd buy, I bought one of the big ones, I think, for $100. And I remember going to my son's football game. I looked like Channel 10 News. <laughs> you know, I didn't care. Yeah, that's just where we were at because we wanted to honor God so bad. So let's admit it. Kids create pressure to spend more. But we didn't want to allow uh, that, their wants to take the place of our tithe. And we made that decision that we love our kids, but we're going to honor God uh, with our lives. God always does more than we can think or ask. How many of you know that? As, you, as you're obedient and faithful, there came a time, the little house we're in, we need to be in a bigger house. We were in Carrollwood. We need to move to Temple Terrace. That's where I was a youth minister. But we had no down payment to do the house. We needed to build something, uh, get something bigger. 
And, uh, and so we were kind of stuck, and I'll never forget, our pastor was doing a building campaign. And here we are, we're, we're doing good, we're paying our tithe, but he says, over and above your giving, I want you to pray about what God wants you to do. And this number came in, $3,000. I'm like, where are we going to get $3,000? But God, okay, we're going to commit $3,000. I don't know how we're going to do it. And I was in real estate back then. I was a part-time real estate agent. Had never hardly sold anything. Right when I made that commitment, about three months later, I walked in to the biggest real estate deal our firm had that entire year. And it was a $35,000 commission back in the 80s, which is today's dollars, look it up, around $79,000. So here I go from in this big commission, I'm able to commit my, my building pledge and take the rest of the money for a down payment on a house that we never thought we'd be able to get into. It was an amazing way God supernaturally does more than we can ever think or imagine when we're willing to trust him and when we're willing to obey him. You can clap for that one, man. I tell you, God's faithful, man. In those years, God met every one of our needs. Um, and, and, and here's what I want to go with the last few minutes and, and really get you to think about this a little bit. Here's what, here's what we did and here's what maybe you need to do. You need to redefine what your needs are and what your wants are. Because some of you, you think it's a want. You think it's a need, but it's really a want. And you've got to define what those are. Now, our wants are shelter, food, transportation, and clothes. We all have, I mean, those are our needs. We, we have those needs. We, we need that. But the wants are kind of like bigger, newer, faster brand and image. I mean, those are wants. And there's nothing wrong with wants, by the way. I mean, there's nothing wrong with stuff as long as it doesn't take from a God-first budget. There's a lot of people that can have the shinier, bigger, newer, faster. But don't compare yourself with that person. They may, they may be at a totally different income level with you. Don't compete with the guy next door. Learn to live within uh, the, the context of the, of, of the income that you have. And that's what Debbie and I uh, learned to do, not look at the person next door. My, guy, my dad used to say it this way, don't be the guy with the champagne taste and a beer wallet. Anybody over 50 got that joke? The rest of you are like, eh, what? Right? Here's what, here's what Paul told us at the end. Paul in Corinthians is talking to the church about how, how to give. And I want to give you some basic things that will help you when you look at a God-honoring budget and how it works. Paul has a system he created. He said this. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure. There's a procedure. I gave to the churches in Galatia. Here it is. Verse 2 is the key. On the first day. Everyone say first day. Come on, every campus, first day. On the first day of the week, which is, a, you know, for them, that was the first day. It's the idea of first. God wants the first fruits. He wants the firstborn. He goes on the first day of the week. Don't do it at the end of the week because if you don't do it at the first of the week, at the end of the week, something will talk you out of it. He says on the first day of the week, set aside a portion of money. Put it aside so that when I come, you can give it. Here's, here's the thing. We want to, I believe people have a heart to do the right thing, but they don't make it the first priority and they don't set it aside. And Paul said, this is a procedure. First day of the week, set it aside. Now, they didn't have technology back then. We have it today. You can go online and do it. You can set it aside. That way, there's so many ways that you can, technology can actually help you to honor God and not be tempted. And we encourage people to, to do that and, and do it online. But here's the bottom line. As I try to wrap this up, we have two ways we can manage money, only really two ways. And it's in your outline. It's the me first. I know it sounds harsh, but it's the me first. I'm going to spend 
my lifestyle. I hope to save a little bit, and if there's anything left, I'll give to God. Okay? That's not a God-honoring way of managing your finances, whether you have $1,000 or a $1 million. That's not how God designed for it to be. He always said, no, I want to be the first. I want to be at the top of the budget, not the bottom of the budget. You see, the God-first way is I'm first going to commit to God, give to God first, and then save, and then spend. My, I'm going to give, save, and live on the rest. Now, a lot of us, we can't even, even think about saving. I know Debbie and I, even when we were doing it God's way, the gift part, our lifestyle was still where we weren't, weren't able to do what we wanted to do in a way of saving. But over time, everyone say over time. When you reverse the order over time, God begins to do some things that I can't explain. I can't explain God's math, but when you honor God and put God first, he's able to multiply things, and I, I can't figure it out to this day. But he can do that in your life. I gave you that testimony earlier. I don't know how they did that, but God does. So it's the God first, save, and spend. That's the order. And you know, this order, it requires faith and trusting God's promises. See, the other order doesn't require any faith. Well, I'm going to spend, I'm going to save, and you know what? If there's some left over... I'm going to bless you, God. That is not God's way. It just isn't. God never wanted the leftovers. I mean, I mean, if you're married and your wife cooks, you don't want, you don't want leftovers every night. I mean, I like them every once in a while. But God, God says, I want to be the first. I want to be first in your life, first in your budget, first in your finances. So changing the order requires faith and trusting God's promises. And I'm going to tell you something. In the 40 years that Debbie and I have followed these simple principles God has always met our needs and way beyond. But at the beginning, and I know at the beginning for some of you, it's going to be very difficult. But, so, but I'm telling you, God's ways work. They work better than our ways. Here's a promise for all of us when we do it God's way. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over to share of others. I think that's all of our hearts. We love to be able to not only have enough for our needs, but to be generous enough to help others. I mean, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one, he's the one who provides the seed, the money, for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, I love this verse 11. I've experienced this in my life. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So here's the action steps as we finish this out. I just know that there's never a good time. There's never a good time to reverse the order. If you're, well, I'm going to wait till this happens. No, there's never a good time. The best time is by faith saying, God, I'm going to start today. I'm going to give you the first part. I'm going to start, God, by saying, God first in my life. God first in my finances. And the second thing, God, I'm going to give you a percentage. I'm going to prioritize it, whatever that percentage is. Now, I told you a tithe means 10%. Some of you are going, I can never. We'll start somewhere. Start. Maybe, you're, maybe your finances are at a place where you could not do that, but start, start saying, God, you know my heart, you know I want to do this, I'm going to give you the first blank, 1%, 2%. I just think that God always honors baby steps. I've seen it in people's lives. They take baby steps 
God sees it. Okay, they're, ta- they're trusting me. And maybe that's what you need to do. You give God first, you give a percentage. And then the third thing you do, according to that scripture, is you schedule it the first day of every week. I'm gonna, it's it's going to be a pattern. Giving, listen, giving isn't emotional. It shouldn't be emotional. Giving shouldn't be, man, I feel good this week. I'm going to give. Or you know what, Pastor Craig did great. Woo! He did terrible. Forget it this week. No, giving is a principle-based uh, thing that God wants us to live by. We live by a principle. We don't live by feelings. So we God first, we give a percentage, we schedule it, and then we do it. The fourth part, which is the hardest part sometimes, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God to meet my needs. And I want to tell you something, it wasn't fun trusting God in some of those moments when my wife was driving that little VW Beetle when the mud was coming up through the roof and my car was very old too. And we were going, yes, we're going to trust God. Oh, yeah, we're, we're having a great time. There were some very difficult moments. But you know what we said? We're going to believe God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We couldn't see it, but we said we're going to keep believing it and we're going to keep doing it. And I want to tell you something. God is a faithful God. You can wait till next month. You can wait till next year. You know what? Today's a day. Today's always a day to give your life to Christ. Today's always a day to say, you know what, I'm going to put God first in this area of my life. Because some of you have been here eight, nine, ten years, and you hear it every year. And you know what? Your situation has not changed. And I'm just telling you, man, when are you going to say, God, we're going to put you first this time. We're going to put you first. Let's, let's bow our heads all over every campus, just for a moment. Every campus. Father, we just pray. You're our heavenly Father. And Lord, you promise that if we seek you first and put you first, all these things that so many other people worry about, all their basic needs, you said, Lord, that you would give them to us. Lord, I pray that people would take steps today to give you the first part. Steps to say, God, I'm going to start today. God, that they would be faithful today. They would start today and they would trust you today. God, I pray for those that have been in fear. They're afraid, God. Lord, I pray you replace their fear with faith and trust in you. You're our heavenly Father. And Lord, we know you're able to meet our needs. And we're going to trust you, Lord. From this day forward, on every campus, God, let it be today that it starts changing the order. You first, God. You first, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.